This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Welcome to Templo Talk, a Mayans MC podcast. I'm Charles Barfield, managing editor of The Playlist, and I'm joined by Mike D'Angelo. And welcome to the first episode of this new podcast series where we're going to talk about uh, everything Mayans because it's ending this year and we like the show so much we want to bring a little extra shine to it. Uh, so yeah, welcome, Mike. Thanks. I'm your prospect. <laughs> Uh, what people don't know is that we 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 spent the money we got cuts made just for this podcast yeah exactly but i relegated mike to prospect and he has to earn it by the end of the year to be a full-blown member of templo talk it's true i if anybody's the the mayans like go to it's you so i i'm certainly the one taking the back seat here i I know definitely a fan but it's 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 a little ridiculous i've turned into not just in my work life which is uh, a big portion of my my everyday. Uh, but in my home life, I'm turning into the guy who talks about Mayans a lot and knows everything <laughs> about Mayans. So yeah, I was like, you know what? I've got all this info uh, and and a little bit of access that I might as well put it to good use. So here we are. Yeah, are so, we allowed to say what you did this year to, to kind of tee up some of the things we have coming? Yeah, we will. We'll, we'll talk about that. Um, uh, yeah, but before we get to that, I want to tell you... Uh, quickly as i should that templo talk is part of the playlist podcast network and the playlist podcast network includes deep focus the discourse binge worthy and more uh as well as the playlist podcast which i host and if you want to find us you can check your podcast app of choice whether that's apple podcast soundcloud spotify anchor stitcher anywhere else you find your favorite shows and also i want to make sure that we uh mention before we we dive into this recap, that we have an interview with Emilio Rivera, who uh, I got to meet uh, and and speak with. So that's coming at the end of this podcast, and it's pretty great. So stick around for that. So I want to start by by basically saying why I wanted to do this podcast, um, because I am dragging Mike along with this. Um, this was <laughs> definitely my baby. But basically, over the last couple of years, I've been watching Mayans all four seasons up until now, obviously. But the last couple of years, I've really been championing the series because I think it's great. And, and we'll get into why seasons three and four particularly stand out for me. But uh, this is something I've written about on the playlist quite often. I've interviewed people. If you go back to the playlist podcast, I've interviewed Elgin James, the showrunner, twice. I've interviewed Clinton Cardenas. Um, I've talked about this show every chance I get because I want to I want to, you know, bring shine to it, like I said. And and so I was given a little bit of uh, some extra access this year because of my my writing about it. FX knew I was a big fan and invited me on a really cool little set visit. And part of that set visit is I got to talk to just about everybody on the show. And so I'm going to, uh, you know, do this podcast to, to talk about the upcoming fifth and final season. Also highlight some of the interviews I've done and some new interviews I'm going to do. And uh, Mike's going to, you know watch the show with me and offer his own uh take on it which i think is going to be a little different than mine because uh, earn my patch 
Yeah, you have to earn your patch. But also, we have uh, we have different sensibilities when it comes to things we like. So I think that'll be interesting. Not well, just the contrast. I wouldn't say we disagree, but just the contrast. Yeah, yeah. I would say, I'm, yeah, I have a slightly different kind of uh, opinion of it than you do. Sure. Yeah. So um, let's let's get started with this episode, which uh, if you're listening to this, don't expect us to talk about season five just yet. This is uh, a recap episode because uh, I'm going to wager that a lot of people, if you have started watching Mayans, you might not have seen all the episodes. And and if you did, it's been a minute since season one premiered. So what we're going to talk about is seasons one through four, just in broad strokes so that we can uh, get everybody up to date and kind of set the stage for for season five, which is the big finale. I think they're calling it the final ride. So. <laughs> What is Mayans? Mayans MC is the Sons of Anarchy spinoff. Uh, that's the most easy explanation we can have. If you watch Sons of Anarchy, you probably know who the Mayans are because um, they're the on-again, off-again allies of the Sons. Um, the connection grew over the course of uh, the Sons series. But basically, if you watch that show, you saw Marcus Alvarez, and he was kind of the de facto face of the Mayans. Um that show ended, Sons of Anarchy did, and uh, a couple of years later, Kurt Sutter decided to start a spinoff called Mayans MC, which would focus again on Marcus Alvarez and the club he created. Um, it's a biker drama filled with lots of death, lots of soap opery twists and turns, and um, it can get pretty dark, but it's got a little bit of humor. It's, it's kind of a wild show. So uh, I want to start with Mike asking you what, because I believe you watch Sons, right? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So what's your history with Sons? And were you initially interested in the idea of a Mayan spinoff? Uh, I would say I was a moderate fan of Sons. I, I liked the the series as a whole. It took me a while to get on board, though. I know the first couple of seasons were just like, yeah, you know, back that was back in the day where you just you kind of got through shows. These days, I don't have nearly as much patience. I probably would have written it off. Um but I, I did, it did build on me. And then those later seasons really did get pretty, you know, uh, to the point where it was almost must see kind of TV. I know that, that the popularity of the show also grew and, um, and it, it, the quality overall was, was really solid. And then Mayans, you know, I, I liked where things left off with sons. I, I was fine leaving it there, but also, you know, more sons of anarchy, you know, more in that universe. Hell Yeah. Um, I was initially like a lot of people probably more sold on being like, okay, so who are we going to see from sons? <laughs> but you, you quickly understand that this is probably a universe that you want to spend more time in than the sons, uh, universe. Um, which I know it's, it's kind of like, maybe there are some people, sons purists who are just like, what's going on up in Oaktown or wherever they were from Oakwood. What is it? Charming. Charming. Yes. Um, another fictional near Oakland, city, right? Uh, I it's definitely in the northern part of the state, right? Um, because Mayans is a different part altogether. Yeah. So what's going on up in Charming? And we do get you know a taste of you know Tig dropping by or whatever it might be. Um, happy, uh, but quickly you fall in love with with all these characters, and it just kind of becomes this whole other deeper, more colorful, more uh, you know just expansive universe like it's it's really there's a lot happening down there by the border <laughs> yeah and 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 for me it's it's similar i started watching sons i was late getting onto the sons bandwagon probably like season three or four i i noticed it and i caught back up but uh i was a really big fan of sons of anarchy uh towards the end especially the last couple seasons because i thought they were pretty pretty well done 
Yeah. But, uh, that, that and easy, like easy. I'm not trying to compare easy versus Jax, but I really yeah. like easy. Obviously it's become very, very dark and, you know, they're trying to test your, your loyalty to him, but it's an, it's an interesting journey. Yeah. And, and yeah. So the, when I first saw that they were doing a spinoff to Suns, I was like, oh, do we need it? Right. Because mm. in, in Suns, whenever the minds are brought up, uh, they were always brought up in almost like racist derogatory ways. Like yeah. the Suns are not good guys. Like none of the guys in these shows are good. That's just like point blank. Yeah, that and the club was kind of birthed out of racists, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And so like whenever they would talk about the Mayans, it always made me laugh in a, in a horrible way, just how ridiculous it was because they would call them brown, the brown and the black, like the black clubs versus the brown clubs. And I was like, this is like terrible that these guys talk this way. But needless to say, the Mayans weren't really given any sort of spotlight other than Alvarez was a good guy and he was kind of friendly with Jax towards the end. But uh, yeah, I was like, well, do we really need to talk about Mayans? Like, what, what's up with that? And I actually skipped the first season. Uh, it wasn't until season two that I started watching it. And then um, obviously, uh, as I said before, season three is really what kicked off kind of my my fandom of it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I initially was kind of put off by the idea. I was just like, like you said, Suns ended kind of, it it closed the the book really on that chapter for me uh and on that charter i should say not chapter and yeah. i was just kind of like well what else we got to say we already did the biker drama but as we'll get into it gets it gets much deeper and much more uh uh different than sons yeah. yeah so so yeah so that's the basic history sons uh was super popular fx obviously wanted to franchise it kurt sutter the creator of sons decided to focus on the mayans uh and and the way into it was uh this character named easy who you mentioned ezekiel reyes and uh he's kind of the jacks teller of the show in that he's the lead and kind of our point of view character for the series so season one let's talk about it it yeah. basically introduces the premise which is easy reyes is this really smart kid had everything going for him but Good he goes heart. I'm sorry. I was like, good heart. You yeah, know, yeah. Pure. His his older brother's a bit of a dick, kind of get in trouble, but he's the good one, right? Like he's the guy who's supposed to like get out of get out of Southern California and make something for himself. He uh, he goes to jail though because he uh, accidentally kills a cop after um, his mother's murdered, and he's like running after the guy who shot his mother. Uh, mix up happens. He shoots a cop. He goes to jail for like twenty years. Uh Fast forward, the it show picks 20 years, was it? Well, no, he wasn't in jail for 20 years. I think like, okay. he was sentenced to like 20 years or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. Easy yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, is actually 50 years old. <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, so he gets a new lease on life when he makes a deal with the, the feds to go undercover as an informant inside the Mayans Motorcycle Club, which is where his uh, kind of his asshole brother Angel is already a member. So he agrees to to feed them intel on the Galindo cartel. And that's kind of where season one really takes off is this whole uh, Mayans versus, uh, well, various other groups, but also the the conflict with the Galindo cartel, um, which is kind of the the head Mexican drug cartel shipping in heroin to uh, Southern California. And the Mayans act as kind of the the uh, what would you call them, the the coyotes for it or whatever yeah. they're, yeah, they, they, they're the pipeline yeah they're the pipeline yes there it is there's the term uh they bring the the drugs in and, and feed the rest of uh southern california with their heroin supply 
Mm -hmm. So easy is supposed to give information, but of course, you know, if easy is found to be uh, an informant, he would likely get murdered on the spot. Um, his brother would likely get murdered on the spot. And that's kind of the tension. Um, mm -hmm. There's also a great, you know, uh, side plot with Edward James almost, which is like the mystery of his background and the, the mother and, you know, he's just such a good actor that yeah you're like willing to watch anything he does and he does make everything really interesting even to this day he's yeah awesome. edward edward james almost is like kind of the mvp of the first couple seasons in my eyes he uh yeah. he is the uh he starts as the kind of conscience for easy but then quickly turns into um what would be like a monster basically because what is teased throughout the the first season is that um there's more to their dad, the Reyes brothers' dad, Felipe, than meets the eye. Um, we do find out that he used to work in the Glinto, Glindo cartel as an enforcer back in the day. Um, and because of that, he's done some horrible things. He changed his name, moved to Southern California with his wife, and tried to start this new life. But wouldn't you know it, his sons kind of... Uh, bring him back into it um <laughs> and, and there's a lot of good stuff where edward james almost is trying to like keep his son safe but also knowing full well that he's kind of the reason they're they're in this place yeah so uh season one also um this is where the son stuff comes up because kurt sutter in his infinite wisdom decided to include a lot of sons references in the first season as you do in spinoffs so <laughs> we're introduced again to lincoln potter um so mike do you remember Lincoln Potter from Sons and, and what are your what were your thoughts on him? I genuinely did not even remember he was in Sons of Anarchy. I thought he was a character that was introduced for Mayans. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot uh, all about him. <laughs> yeah, he uh he was a fairly uh you know, he, here's the thing. The I think his name is Ray McKinnon, the guy who plays him. And yeah, he's really he's, interesting. He's a really good actor and and Lincoln is an interesting character. Um but for me that was a bit of a bummer because I, I was like, oh, well, this is just kind of retreading the whole, you know, uh, the MCs working for the feds to take down a blah, 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 you know, and we, we kind of explored that in Sons. But yeah, but Lincoln Potter, Lincoln Potter shows back up, um, kind of reveals to Angel that Easy is an informant that causes issues between Angel and Easy. Um, and yeah, that there's that drama. Um, we also in season one, just kind of get introduced to everybody. And I, I'm curious when you first watched this show, who, who stood out to you outside of easy? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's easy. It's Edward James, almost it's Clayton Cardenas. Um, who plays angel, his brother. Yeah. Yep. Who, who plays angel. Um, I do like, uh, Danny Pena. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline who plays Miguel. Yeah. Uh, Galindo. Um, let's see here. Who else? I don't know that anyone else really popped. I mean, Marcus Alvarez is always good and he's yeah. always kind of there. He's just kind of like the backbone of this whole franchise. 
What's um, interesting is, uh, I don't know if you remember, it's just a, a fair warning. It's been a minute since we've seen season one. Um, exactly. <laughs> so it's it's a little tough to remember the details. But uh, Marcus Alvarez, outside of a few appearances, isn't really a major part of season one, um, which I find yeah. interesting considering he was kind of the head of Mayans in the Suns universe. Mm-hmm. He does make some appearances, though, if I'm remembering correctly. Oh, he does. He does. Yeah. yeah. But it, it's really because um, Bishop's the president of Santo Padre and, and right. kind of Marcus is the uh, the godfather, so to speak. He kind of oversees everybody, but he doesn't really have like a home base. Right. Um, so, yeah, he just kind of floats around. Yeah. So those were the main ones for me. Yeah, I, I really enjoy uh, Miguel Galindo, Danny, Danny Pino. Uh, I think he's great. He's super scary in this season. They, they really amp up the idea that these cartels are like, they will chop your head off in an instant sort of guys. Um, the only so- little side piece with that storyline that I never really bought into was the fact that Easy's ex-girlfriend just happens to be the <laughs> wife of this massive cartel leader. And I'm like, wait, how the hell did this happen? And why is it so convenient? It's just one of those things that I really had to, to fight to take the leap. Um, but yeah. it's fine. After this long, we're still doing it. Yeah, that's the thing with uh, with Kurt Sutter as a storyteller. You see it a lot in Sons, too, where there's a lot of coincidence. Yeah. Um, and often you just kind of look past it because something is it's just so fun to take the ride. But yeah, there, there are plenty of instances in the first two seasons of the show where you're like, really? Like, Emily is now the Galindo, like, like heiress? Like, this is weird. Yeah. Um, and it's it, weird and it's kind of like... Uh, dark and you know action heavy and badass that sons was and this first season of mayans and a lot of the second season is it's it's it yeah it has these shades of kind of corniness Mm -hmm. that they slowly shed as the, the series goes on and a lot of that is kurt sutter i think kurt sutter has uh kind of gone on record that sons was like his version of like an amplified hamlet and Part of that is he also really loves like pulpy stuff, like old school pulp storytelling, where yeah. it's kind of, uh, kind of, what would you say, like over the top or enhanced to the point of almost ridiculous, um, almost like a you know like a play or something, right? But you know these are biker guys, and so so it's weird to straddle that line between realism and ridiculousness. Um, so there are instances like that and okay, let's talk about another thing that's introduced in season one that kind of had that same effect on me, which is easy's superpower. Um, he has this (laughs) photographic memory where he can instantly recall very particular details about any moment in his life. Yeah. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) That was it, it. So if you watch Sons, you probably are familiar with every season of Sons would end. um, The final conflict would come about because Jax Teller would have had this plan where he's like the smartest guy in the room and came up with something. And we're like, oh, shit. Uh, They use that in the first couple seasons of this with his uh, with easy superpower, which is whenever he needed to remember a face or a name or a date, he would just kind of like flash back and remember (laughs) it. And I remember watching this thinking like, Oh, really? Like, that's such a, <laughs> it's such a, a storytelling shortcut that just, yeah, it just wasn't necessary. Wow. They really did cut that, didn't they? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. It's been so long since I've thought about it. Yeah. So um, the the first season, in retrospect, uh, 
is kind of cool because of the the informant angle. I think that was a really neat thing. There's a lot of good uh, angel easy moments. Clayton Cardenas is like a revelation in that season. Um, and JD Pardo as easy is great too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so let's move on to season two because season two, uh, this is where I think kind of the the cracks in the Mayans armor start to show for me as far as storytelling goes. Because Easy is still a prospect. Um, they're still playing off that informant angle a little bit. Um, but then they talk about the drama surrounding who murdered Easy's mom. Because mm -hmm. at the end of season one, it's revealed that it's Happy from Sons of Anarchy. Um, yeah. What were your thoughts when they revealed it was Happy? I was not really surprised because I figured it was going to tie into Sons somehow. Um, so to see it was a son that I, I guess it, it was just like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Um, I'm interested to see where this goes, but you know, not a, not a huge, I wasn't blown back by it. No, I think, I think it was just kind of a, an unnecessary tie to sons. Um, yeah. What was interesting about it though, is that happy, if you remember from sons was always kind of used for comic relief because he was such a sociopath. <laughs> yeah. he would just murder the hell out of people and have some sort of comment where you're like oh happy but then to to paint him as like the guy who murdered easy's mom was weird to me because it's like i rooted for this guy and you know now i have to reckon with that i guess yeah it does reframe sons of anarchy real hard like the whole series does yeah yeah we'll, we'll get more to that in seasons three and four but yeah. yeah um so basically season two follows easy and and angel trying to kind of solve the mystery of what happened to their mom they find out that because easy's superpower he remembers a face they find out that happy was the guy who murdered their mom but it wasn't as simple as that because happy was just a paid gun and they want to know who ended up paying him for that to happen uh this is going to sound like some soap opera shit but bear with it me is. um <laughs> we find out that uh miguel galindo's mother dita galindo hired happy to murder not just easy's mom but also felipe easy's dad because felipe had an affair with her and left her for his wife mm -hmm. wow um yeah. <laughs> it is straight out of a soap opera not only that the soap opera stuff doesn't doesn't in there because we find out that miguel galindo is uh easy and uh angel's like half brother because when uh when dita and felipe were were an item is that revealed they, all the way back in season two it is it is yeah i forgot about it until last season i thought they revealed it finally last season <laughs> no they they i think it's revealed uh i think dita tells um tells That's felipe right. yeah. and says like this is your son and felipe keeps it to himself but uh yeah. as as he would i mean it's fucking ridiculous <laughs> but yeah so he uh, he keeps it to himself but yeah so there's a, a mystery third brother there's relationships and affairs and it's it's all kind of wacky and then on top of that you have emily galindo who's kind of just given this uh this role of kind of uncovering all these secrets um which just felt to me like she was just kind of given something to do mm -hmm. um and then season two kind of continues with the SOA cameos because you get Chibs and you get other Suns characters kind of showing up. Um, but yeah, that's, that's season two kind of, oh, season two kind of ends with um, Miguel Galindo's mother, Dita, being murdered by Easy and Angel as Felipe looks on. 
Um, and that's kind of the crescendo. But season two, kind of the same old, same old, right? For sure. But I mean, it does that that ending where Easy has to like choke her out, basically. <laughs> that's like his first step into darkness. It like, is obviously, uh, you know, joining the club and doing some a lot of the stuff he does in these first couple seasons is, you know, some some little baby steps. But this is a real big one where you're like, oh, easy. It's going down some paths here. Um, and what's and interesting that, is yeah. I don't know that it was set up that way. Like, okay. I, I, I don't be, I, I don't know any any details about this, but I do know that um, that the series does change quite a bit and it's its storyline and its arc between seasons two and three. And I wonder season two with, uh, I'm sorry, with easy choking her out, just kind of felt like kind of the culmination of that story. I didn't get any vibes at that time that easy is taking like a super dark turn. It's just that this is the woman that murdered or is responsible for murdering his mom and kind of ruining his family and his life. Like he's just pissed. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's how I took that. But yeah, in retrospect, in hindsight, now you're, you can see that as kind of a turning point for sure. Yeah. So yeah, um, season two, you, I will note, uh, if you're like, why aren't you guys talking about the rest of the Mayans? Um, that <laughs> is because they don't do much. Um, the, the rest of the actors, as good as they are in the little parts they're given, just aren't given much to work with. Um, I guess kind of the standout, the first two seasons outside of the main characters is maybe Coco. Coco. Yeah, for sure. But, but um, other than that, like the rest of the guys like Bishop, they're just people who yell a lot and, smoke a lot of cigarettes and shoot people like yeah bishop and trank and gilly don't really become full-fledged characters until later on no they don't okay so they are great uh so let's talk about the the elephant in the room which is whenever you talk about this show it's a show of two halves because seasons one and two are under the tutelage of kurt sutter um he does uh he is listed as a co-creator um with elgin james who we'll talk about quite a bit coming up but by and large, it's clear that this is Kurt Sutter's baby. And then um, in the middle of season two uh, being aired, but after production had wrapped, Kurt Sutter announced that he wasn't coming back for season three. And then it was announced by 20th Century Fox that, um, or I guess reports came out that Kurt Sutter was dismissed. And yeah. he kind of confirmed it because... He said that, you know, he thinks it was retaliation for comments he made about Disney Fox merging, um, which <laughs> he was being a bit of a dick, um, which, again, if you it's know Kurt the Sutter, headline. there's a Hollywood Reporter article I'm looking at right now that says Kurt fire Kurt Sutter fired from FX for being an abrasive dick. That's that. <laughs> <laughs> so. So, yeah, there's this like huge upheaval behind the scenes between seasons two and three, and all of it revolves around Kurt Sutter. And what you what you find out is that Elgin James, um, you can listen to uh, my first interview with him. He talks about this a little bit more in detail. He was kind of there and name only for seasons one and two. He contributed a little bit with the writing and and I think he directed one episode in season two. But this was Kurt's Kurt's baby. And when Kurt left FX, uh, 20th Century TV turned to Elgin and said, all right, this show's yours now. And boy, oh boy, did he have some changes. I think this is exactly what this show needed because I think that um, without it, I might've started to lose interest in this show. Um, Same. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say, what do you think of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's absolutely. Like the the change from season two to season three is very apparent. 
like in the cinematography, in the way the characters are handled, in even some of the performances are changed. Um, like some of the actors that were acting one way are just start acting are are given more leeway. It seems mm-hmm. um, it's interesting. It's a it's it's not a completely different show, but there's definitely a course correction where you're like, oh, okay, someone else is at the helm here. And 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 I think it was at a perfect time because as we were explained with season two, it got really soap opery, and the stories that were set up, like Easy being an informant, um, the murder of his mother, like solving that mystery, that kind of all came to an end. So. It was kind of a perfect, perfect spot to kind of just like hit the reset button. Yeah. And I remember when we, cause I remember talking to you about season three and we were both kind of like, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> this is different. And, and really it's the moment that season three opens because the opening credits are completely yeah. different. They had like a, they used to have like a Suns-esque song kind of open. Yeah, it was and that, terrible. It was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> And I was and like then that so was... thankful they changed it to what it is. Yeah. And like you said, like the filmmaking look of it changed. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt like a reboot uh, in the best way. And yeah, I... it's inheriting a lot of those like elements that they were just kind of sh- saddled with. But still, they're able to course correct a pretty decent amount. Yeah. And it almost felt like you could just kind of jump on season three and skip seasons one and two. Not that I'd recommend it, but uh, yeah. you could probably catch up. So in my mind, this is where Mayans made the leap from like a decent Sun spinoff to kind of its own thing and a must-see show. So of the changes, is there one or two that you think like stood out the most with this uh, this flip? I mean, it just, everything felt like it was taken more seriously. Like I remember there being a lot of that like shaky cam kind of Sun style that was kind of done away with. There was more intentionality in the cinematography. And I I remember just thinking that that this is very differently shot. Um, And that was what really kind of clued me in first off. And usually I don't, if it's good, I don't need to notice something like that, but the the differences were so great that you're just like, well, something's different here. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But yeah, it was all positive. It was all like, oh, I like what they're doing here. Yeah, and and again with the opening credits, because I, I think it really does set the tone. Uh, the opening credits are like these images of um, like Ellis Island in New York and like immigrant stories and all mm-hmm. these like racist signs from like the the like 40s, 50s and 60s and the no Mexicans allowed stuff like that where you're like, oh, we're we're taking this in a different direction because before, though the Mayans are a Mexican-American MC, that sort of part of it was kind of downplayed other than the fact that they had like relationships with the Mexican cartels. Like there was no real like uh, weight given to the fact that they were non-white, um, yeah. which completely changed when Elgin took over as, as sole showrunner. Yeah, for sure. They, were, they really embraced the Hispanic culture. Yeah. Throughout. So, so let's talk about season three because a lot happens in season three. Easy is now a full member of the club. Uh, the informant angle is basically ditched. Um, the magic memory is gone. Magic memory is gone. Uh, a lot of those, as I mentioned, those pulpy, ridiculous elements are much more grounded now. Um, and and one of the things we were talking about, the Emily Galindo, Easy Reyes story is kind of sidelined a bit because he meets Gabby and falls in love, which is nice. Alvarez is kind of out of this the show uh, as a Mayan. He now works for Galindo as kind of the enforcer 
And then we start to get to what I think is the the secret sauce of this show, which are the supporting characters. Easy, Angel, uh, Edward James Olmos, Miguel Galindo, these are still kind of your leads, but you're given so much more information about the side characters. It's great. Uh, particularly season three's kind of Coco story mm-hmm. um, because Coco he gets really it. he gets caught up in Meth Mountain, which is like, that sounds silly, like a like a terrible <laughs> Disney ride. But it's uh, it's this literal like commune where people just do a lot of meth and heroin and live there. And so he meets, um, he, he kind of falls down this like, well, okay, let's back it up a second. You may remember in season two that Coco gets blinded by like an explosion or something. Yeah, that's right. He couldn't see for a bit there. Right. And so he starts relying on painkillers, can't get painkillers. So then he kind of goes down the opioid path, gets him to Meth Mountain. He meets Hope there, um, which is a woman he starts to fall for. But then he also meets Isaac, who's the leader of Meth Mountain, um, who, you know, keep that name in mind. We'll be talking about him later. (laughs) And uh, that whole Meth Mountain story, I think, is like some of the most harrowing shit you see on TV nowadays. Like, what did you think of that? Yeah, it was there. Were, yeah, there was some really dark stuff that started to come in there. And I just loved Coco so much. I was uh, you always root for him. That guy who plays Coco. What's his name? Uh, uh, Richard, Richard Cabral Cabral. Yeah. man, he's great. Like he from the, the first time you see him, he's great. And they really gave him a platform to shine with that third season. I think that whole third season is kind of peak Mayans in yeah. my mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's pretty incredible. Um, the the Coco stuff is just so heartbreaking because mm-hmm. even characters like his daughter, who's introduced in a completely ridiculous way in season one as an underage uh, sex worker porn star, which is <laughs> some of the most cringy things. Um, she's now like got this much better role where she's like the caregiver begging her dad to like, you know, not kill himself, basically. And and all in all, like Coco's like hiding this stuff from his brothers in the Mayans. Um, there's some great stuff with Gilly. Gilly is like Coco's best friends trying to like save him from this. It's it's really, really rough stuff in the best possible way. Mm-hmm. We're also uh, given a new uh, story with Adelita, who um, she has a lot of like Lincoln Potter fed stuff in seasons one and two. Um, she is the uh thorn in the galindo side in the first couple seasons she leads kind of a rebel group trying to destroy the cartel that story gets overly complicated and ridiculous and eventually (sighs) she um has a kid but then the kid is taken away from her and uh presumed dead and she kind of goes on kind of a revenge mission um which i think is pretty cool what else oh gosh can't forget about taza uh, so Taza is like one of the elder statesmen of the Mayans. Oh, that's right. And we find out that he's actually a gay man, which is incredibly frowned upon in the motorcycle world, um, especially in this universe. Uh, and he had this kind of love affair with another member of a rival gang. And uh, well, not rival, but kind of like a, oh no, an ally gang. And uh that gets threatened to be made public. So Taza has to like go out of his way to to hide this because he's afraid of what his his motorcycle, his Mayans brothers will do um, because they yeah, will kill him. It kind of reminds me of the the Theo Rossi storyline and so yeah. where he was, you know, he had, what is it, a black father or a black mother and he was trying yeah. to hide it. It was, 
it was it's kind of it felt like that reframed with you know sexuality yeah yeah and and again with that oh my gosh in retrospect you you think about that and you're like god jack's teller and them were super racist <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah and then uh the 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 main storyline throughout all this is that easy now as a full member is trying to basically wipe out Mayan's leadership and put everything under Bishop as leader with Alvarez gone. With Alvarez gone, the, the kings, as they were called, there's like three kings. Mm -hmm. They all are trying to uh, to be like head honchos of the Mayans and Easy wants it to be Bishop because Bishop's his guy. Uh, Bishop was the guy who um, he was under as a prospect, all that stuff. Um, but towards the end of the season, it literally blows up in his face because he tries to blow up Conchi and uh, in the process almost kills Conchi's kid. And that leads to the incredible cliffhanger ending of season three, where Easy and the Santo Padre Club is trapped in their own clubhouse because the rest of the Mayans, like hundreds of Mayans, are outside their walls uh, throwing Molotov cocktails <laughs> inside and uh, chanting uh, for blood, basically. Yeah, that was such a cliffhanger. I remember just being like, where, where the fuck are we going to go with this after that? And just being like, I have to wait a, how long to, to find out what happens? Yeah. And then, yeah. yeah. I remember that talk. Uh, if you listen to my interview with Elgin James, I, I asked him, you know, like, so what's the plan? And he's like, I don't have a plan. And <laughs> and I talked with him before season or after season four. And he told me that was true. They weren't necessarily expecting uh, minds to get picked up for season four. They were like, we're getting one season to do our thing. We're going to go for it. We're going to like push the limits of this show. And if we're invited back, great, but we're just not going to plan on it. So his ending was that ending and Damn. he wasn't sure what was going to happen. Damn. That's, that's an interesting end ending. Yeah. Huh. But as we know, that wasn't the end. No. It got picked up for season four and season four is the most recent one uh, that came out last year. And it picks up kind of right where season three left off with that sort of uh, war. And I'm curious because um, uh, I don't think we've talked about season four together, me and you. Yeah. Uh, so I'm curious what you thought of the resolution of that, that first episode, I guess, when they, you know, uh, show you that war between the Mayans. Yeah, I love that episode where it's the the kind of easy trying to battle his way out and well, the whole of the Mayans trying to battle their way out. And it's this civil war of, you know, craziness going on. And then, you know, that, that ending where they're all on their knees and yeah. Easy thinks he loses angel there for a minute. And it just, I think that's where you just, you see it break. And yep. I don't think he's come back from that moment ever since. Like he was stepping into darkness more and more, especially when he, he learned that he blew up. Uh, what, it, what was it? Riz's kid. No, Conche's um, kid. Conche's kid. Um, but man, yeah, that that moment where he's closing his eyes and he thinks Angel is dead there for a minute. That's pretty amazing stuff. Yeah. So so what ends up happening is is the Mayans do get attacked and they don't have enough guns. They don't have enough people. Um, there's a full bar of like female bar workers that are freaking the fuck out, as you would if you're in a sudden <laughs> civil war. Why and are they there? They got to serve beers, man. Yeah, but I, I never understand why these girls stay is is what I'm saying. But yeah, yeah. sure. I mean, yeah, there could be a whole show about that because, um, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of crazy. 
especially the ones that are like, yeah, I'll go on the roof and feed you like Molotovs and stuff like that. Those like good for them. They should be patched in. <laughs> uh, sure. <laughs> but yeah, so so you're just watching this thinking like, how the hell are the Mayans going to get out of this? How the hell is Santo Padre going to get out of this? Well, the answer is Bishop doesn't have a plan. His plan is to murder everybody, which isn't much of a plan. Yeah. Um, EZ gets, uh, you know, he tries his best, but eventually they're just sitting there and there's just nothing they can do. Uh, and there's the scene that I, I, I think is one of the best of the episode where Hank decides to call his mom mm. and he's calling her just to like, make sure she like takes her meds and like, you know, does whatever that she can. Cause she's a, obviously an older lady and, and she, he's like, yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. And he'd been shot in like the leg, like, <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> it's a mess. Um, but yeah. And then, and then what ends up happening, as you said, is, is easy kind of goes out and says like, okay, I'm gonna turn myself in. I'm going to face the consequences of my actions. All the other Santo Padre guys, they line up next to him kind of in solidarity. It looks like they're just all going to get murdered execution style. And then Marcus Alvarez shows up mm -hmm. and that's kind of where the episode ends with Marcus Alvarez saying, this is my fucking club. So yeah. The whole season basically is Marcus Alvarez trying to just repair this club that he created and everyone's at each other's throats. Uh, Santo Padre is kind of like diminished in their uh, responsibilities to almost being extinct. Um, all the other charters hate them, mm -hmm. um, but Alvarez is keeping them alive just because he wants peace. But in that, they introduce one of the my favorite characters of all time on this show, Manny. Did you like Manny? Manny, which one's Manny? The guy with the tattoo on his throat who becomes friends with Easy. Manny is from the Arizona Charter who is sent to uh, the clubhouse to kind of watch oh, them. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know who you're talking about now. I'm trying to look up his name. His real name, I think, is actually Manny. Is it really? Manny? Yeah. He was on uh, a couple other shows. One show my wife likes. I forget. I didn't watch it. But he was like a revelation for me on this series because he was just so like effortlessly cool yeah it, manny montana yeah I kept, like the thing is i knew him um from what is it graceland where okay. he played like this fbi agent so i kept expecting him to be an fbi <laughs> informant or like a, a narc that was infiltrating the gang so i'm like okay when's it gonna turn he keeps getting away like and, and, <laughs> you know surviving all this stuff but yeah no he was he's always good and stuff yeah, he's he's fucking great. And uh, he meets a, a grisly, grisly end, unfortunately. Um, yeah, he's got to go and be an Ironheart now. Uh, oh, is he an Ironheart? Yeah, he is. Nice. I'm excited for that then. Um, so what ends up happening is, well, actually, yeah, let's back up a little bit. In season three, uh, we find out that in the Taza whole thing, um, one of Taza's rivals uh, who knows about his sexuality kind of plants a son's body like on the property of the Mayans. Yep. And a bartender, those damn bartenders from the Mayans clubhouse finds the sons of anarchy cut in like a barrel, shows it to her sister who is dating a guy in the sons, which kickstarts this war. Um, and this war begins with a sneak attack um, with like a drive by uh on the dia de los muertos like celebration i think right i think it's that no coco and coco dies so unceremoniously i was so yeah bummed. what do you what do you think about the the way that 
Coco's death was handled. I was bummed about it. It's just he's such a great character. For him to go out just in like a random drive-by, it feels a bit cut short. But then again, you know, so does that stuff happen in real life, I suppose. I um, I talked with Elgin about this in the podcast. And uh, when I visited the, the set, we talked about it even more. And he uh, told me the story on the podcast, which you can listen to. Um, I'm not going to get into it. But basically, he was when he was a, a younger guy, Elgin, he was a member of a gang. Mm-hmm. And one of his uh, best friends, he was hanging out with uh, the night before, and he woke up the next day, was walking down the road, and he saw like a friend of his, and his friend said, dude, I think his name was Danny, he said, dude, Danny's dead. And he said, oh, wow. And he realized that like, people can just die. Yeah. And that's what happens to Coco. He just dies. That's mm. tough. It sucks. It's probably the emotional kind of like the most emotional aspect, I think, of season four. Um, because like you said, he, he has overcome so much and he's just taken away. Yeah. And it ends with, uh, he's on the phone with, uh, hope. And he says, you know, I, I saw something beautiful made me think of you Mm. and then pop, ah, heartbreaking. Anyway, let's, let's talk about, uh, kind of the crux of season four, which is easy's kind of descent into darkness that we've been talking about. Uh, he, he tried to blow up members of the, the, uh, other Mayans he gets uh, he has to pay consequences for that but then he also just kind of doubles down on it and just starts mm-hmm. going even darker and one of the things the kind of climax the end of easy as it were is the death of Gabby um, yeah. what did you think about that when you saw that 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 was one of those moments where you're it's just they're really testing your loyalty to easy and they're really seeing how far you're willing to go down the rabbit hole with this guy that that is where I kind of stopped rooting for Easy and started rooting for Angel, um, and I think that might be somewhere that this show is going, like where these guys are on opposing paths. But who's to say until we see all of season five? But still, that moment—it wasn't the point where he blew up the kid. I was upset about that. It wasn't the point where he choked that, you know, cartel woman to death. It was that point where he takes. Gabby's life because she was so sweet and innocent and always there to do the right thing. And that was the reason she left him in the first place. Uh, yeah. I, I was just, I was so kind of heartbroken by that death. Yeah. Um, I, I, I agree every, everything you said there. And I just quickly, I want to mention that angel has a kind of a, cause you mentioned his kind of contrast easy story. Angel, mm-hmm. Uh, Adelita comes back in his life after Angel's uh, fiance at the time, Nails, has a miscarriage. Adelita comes back in his life and shows him that her their son is alive and they're now going to create a family. He names a Maverick, which I think is really funny. <laughs> and uh, and so Angel wants to now be kind of a family guy. He wants to he wants to be uh, what his dad never was, and uh, he wants to make right, which is kind of in stark contrast to easy who's just 100 percent now in the mayans yeah yeah easy's just i'm trying to figure out what the overall story is here with easy is it just this breaking bad in the world of sons of anarchy where you're following someone from innocence all the way into darkness and finally they're going to die at the hands of you know all this uh terrible you know the, the terrible world they've created or is it going to be some kind of, can you pull your way back from the darkness? Is that yeah. the, the the moral of this story? And that's what I'm kind of looking to see. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll have to we'll have to wait and see because I'm not 100 percent sure on that one either. Um, <laughs> so uh, season four ends with Easy kind of playing a trick on Bishop uh, and coercing him to lead a vote to vote out Marcus as president. And uh, Easy at the time is now a vice president. And instead of he we assume he's going to uh, instill Bishop as the or enlist Bishop as the president. Instead, he takes it for himself. Um, and declares war and everybody's like cheering except for uh angel who's like oh shit um and that's kind of where the series or season ends Mm -hmm. uh well and also we find that uh the guy who killed manny is uh isaac from meth mountain from season three um who plays a a much bigger role uh in season five so that's the wrap up for uh, all four seasons of Mayans. Lots of lots of lots of stuff. Um, but before we say bye, I do want to tell you that right now we're going to play an interview I had with uh, Emilio Rivera, aka Marcus Alvarez, where we talk about kind of everything about Mayans. And uh, I'll have you know, there's a moment where he kind of pauses and there's a <laughs> silence and just know that uh, he gets choked up and um uh, I un- I unintentionally uh, made him get emotional. So yeah. Damn you, Charles. I know, I know. I wasn't I wasn't hitting him that hard, but you know. Leave <sighs> Emilio alone. <laughs> I know. But yeah, so uh, every week we're gonna come back. We're gonna talk more Mayans. We're gonna have more interviews. Uh, so yeah, stick around. All right. So um, first thing I want to ask you. Uh, again, thank you for doing this. Sure. Is I talked to Elgin after the end of season four, and he told me that the cool thing about your character, he had discussions with you where it wasn't your your character's changing because he's not getting old, he's just getting good. And there's a scene mm-hmm. where you have with Tig where uh, you guys basically say the same thing. You're, you're turning into a good man. Yeah. Um, so what's that like in, you know, you've been with Sons for a while, you were on Minds now for five seasons right. what's it like to experience that sort of character arc for for marcus it, it's, it's just like you know it's like a, it um the art you know it really copies life you dig uh, that's how my life is right now too i'm you know i'm older now and i was once that crazy guy you know and uh and I, and as i grown older as a emilio rivera i just seen a lot of hurt too much hurt a lot of loss of lives in the streets you know my friends i lost 44 of my guys in the street you wow. know in real life yeah so it's just weird how how they write this character like almost how life is and you know what man at the end of the day brother it ain't worth it it really is not you know and at the end of the day who's waiting for you is your family at home hoping that you make it home and um yeah it's just it just i could play that part so well because it's almost like my life you dig i'm 62 years old now and, and it's like that's the same path and now easy of course i i know i've been easy he did. He had the testosterone. He wants to go to war. Everybody wants to go to war when you're young like that. But as you see, it just gets you nowhere. You dig what I'm saying? So it was just like a perfect art from Sons till now. It just it was a good closing, you know. And and you are like we said, you're kind of the elder statesman of the series. You were the face of the Mayans way back when the Sons were the the series. You were still the Mayans guy. Um, what's that journey been like? Uh, going from being Marcus Alvarez on Sons to now having a spinoff that basically is created around your character. What a beautiful thing, right? I yeah. mean, I mean, how, who could ask for more? This shit don't happen, brother. You dig what I'm saying? And I'm just so glad it happened to me. And, and it was like, um, I remember when we were finishing Sons, there was some talk about it, but there's always talk. You know, it was Hollywood, and there's going to be talk. 
And then uh, two years went by, and then Kurt Sutter, they just go have some lunch. And uh, so we had lunch, and, it, you know, I, and my head is already, like, going, like, is it happening? And then uh, we sat down, and we had some lunch, and we talked, you know, caught, caught up. And he goes, hey, we're doing it, man, you know? And I go, I kind of knew what he was talking about, but I, I, I'm still fishing, right? I go, doing what? He goes, we're doing the mines. And, you know, <laughs> I felt like a little kid. Like I, like, I wanted to explode, but I got trying to be cool, right? But I was really, I felt good, you know? And uh, and, and it just, it, it just, um, what a blessing, bro. What a blessing. And you know what it was? The first, on the first day, Kurt always has a little party before he starts shooting. I'm going to go to work. Frankie's waiting for me on the freeway. And somebody cuts me off, and they want to cut off my leg. Wow. I have a real motorized cycle, actually. Yeah. They want to cut off my leg below the knee. And I'm, and I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm like, this is a morphine. Shit. You can't cut off my leg, bro. This is what I do for a living, you know? And, uh, and uh, they're, uh, we're going back and forth, and uh, they saved the leg. I came back half inch shorter. And, uh, wow. But they, you know, they, 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 they brought me in. They had people dressing me, wheeled me in a wheelchair, and uh, we do this the show, and it was, it's worked out, man. You dig what I'm saying? It's just, it's been a blessing after blessing after blessing, you know? That's, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. Crazy, I, right? Um, when, uh, I, I obviously have not ridden a motorcycle as long as you have probably, but uh, the first time I was ever on a motorcycle, I fell. And oh, you're going to fall. Yeah. I, I don't, I've been riding since I was 14, brother. Yeah. And it's, you, it's not going to be, if you fall, you're going to fall, just yeah. you don't win, you know? Yeah, but that's just, that's like everybody's fear when you get on the bike, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously the show makes it seem like it's easy, it's cool, you can do it all is, kinds it, of weird it, things. It, just, just don't be scared. You, gotta, you yeah. can't be scared. You got to be aware. Always be aware, but don't be scared. Yeah. Um, so Mayans, as we said, is a spinoff of Sons, but it really does feel like it's a completely different show altogether. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that, I think, comes down to Elgin and the way he has crafted the last three seasons. Elgin is amazing, bro. Yeah. What a, what a storyteller he is, right? And you know what it is, bro? Is you know he he listens to us. He listens to when we when we talk like right now. He listens to what we have to say because I could see some of the stuff I've said or somebody else has said incorporated into the story. Right. And that's a smart writer. Yeah. You dig what I'm saying? It makes us easier. It makes it easier for us as actors to put in this work. You know. It's, yeah. It's a beautiful thing. So man. so I'm curious though, uh, because Elgin is such a creative force in a, a very different way than Kurt was. Were there any differences you noticed working on? SOA versus Mayans, especially the last few seasons. Well, uh, though, um, I love them both. They're, they're, they're right. Everybody's like you said, everybody has creative, you know, to create different. But what I liked uh, uh, about Elgin is that sometimes you can make the words, you can add something, you know, like uh, ad lib a mm -hmm. little bit, like I would talk, you know. Whereas Kurt wanted it always to be by the book, you know. And there was sometimes with Kurt, I would say, I don't, I wouldn't say this, and he would say, What would you say? And then I would say it, and he goes, I like that. Let's put it in, but we have to write it in. Whereas over here, we're working, and. Um, I'll just say, say it's not on the page, but it just felt natural, and uh, and I'll, I'll tell Gina. Gina, I said this. She goes, "No, that's fine." You know, so it's cool. But it's out of respect to the writers. You always have to respect the writers, which I always do. You know. Well, yeah. When I when I spoke with Elgin last time, he uh, he said your name was Lefty. Uh, no, Lefty. Le lefty. You know. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. And he said, you know, like there's nobody who knows this more than you. So he like deferred to you a lot, which I thought was really neat, given your experiences. And, and that's the thing is, uh, and, and that's the thing we have. Me and Elgin have a great rapport, man, because I can always go to him. He can always go to me, and and that's just an open call anytime, you know. Yeah, it's beautiful to have. So over the years, you've shown up in a variety of TV shows, uh, films, also. Um, but I feel like Mayans has given you the opportunity to be the guy that isn't just a criminal, you know, right? Right. And, right. and I want to know what, you, cause you've been around in this business for so long, you've been in, you know, playing Marcus Alvarez for so long. What's it like now to play a character that's so well-rounded, but still has kind of that outlaw vibe? Well, you know, even though 
outlaws and criminals don't know they're outlaws and criminals. You dig what I'm saying? They're just human beings. They just do different things. You know what I'm saying? And uh, it's a beautiful thing because even though even even the hardest guy is going to cry. You dig what I'm saying? The hardest guy is going to feel when his mother passes away if he loses a kid, if he loses his best friend. You know, so, yeah, you know, and there's people who are the goody two-shoes but are criminals in different ways. So who really is a criminal? What is a real criminal? You dig? Right. Yeah. And, and another part of that is uh, I, you, uh, especially in season four, but I, I'm going to assume in season five as well, Marcus is coming to this conclusion that he's a good man now. He's got mm. family. He still wants to run the club, but he wants to run it in a different way. And ultimately, he kind of the club runs over him, so to speak. Well, you know, like, uh, that goes back to the young guys again. You know, well, yeah. I, and I get it. You know, and I get it, but I, we, we're at, we are where we are because of that from the beginning. Yeah. But now we got the respect, brother. So just run on the respect. You yeah. don't gotta prove yourself after you get certain. You don't gotta prove yourself no more. Everybody knows what you do. You dig what I'm saying? But you know, it's like you know, we gotta tell a story. You know, yeah, he's, he's yeah. a new guy. He came up too quick. See what I did? I gave him the bylaws. <laughs> I didn't know he was gonna read them, bro. You know, what I mean? <laughs> and he read them, man. You know, he actually and, studied. He and, took your and, advice. And, yeah, and he, and he got me out. You know. But uh, but what do you think about that? Do you uh, you know, because like like we've been saying, this is you know, you're putting a lot of what you experienced into the character and the way you play Marcus. But like seeing. Do you feel like now is the time for the new generation? Even if, you know, Easy represents something that's super violent, super sad almost, and maybe corrupts the Mayans in a way. But... You know, I'm, I'm getting too old for this shit, brother. <laughs> you dig what I'm saying? You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, uh, family's good. You know, uh, I really wish I could have stood in there and, you know, and called the shots, you know. It would have worked out a little bit better. Because as you see, as it goes on, it's getting pretty fucked up right now. You yeah. dig? Yeah. They should have listened to me. And I think, and you'll see early on, I can't want to spoil nothing, but you'll see that... I can't say nothing. I don't want to say nothing, but you're going to see that, you know, it's, it's not, violence is not always the best thing you dig. Right. You know? Uh, another thing uh, about the fact that Marcus has, has, you know, created the Mayans is you, uh, you, you mentioned the bylaws, you hand easy the, the Bible of the Mayans yes. basically to study. And I'm curious now, we've, we've got Mayans coming to an end. Obviously there's more to the story of the Mayans than what we've seen in this little chapter. Are there anything in Marcus's past you would love to see explored love at to some see, point? I would love to see a young Marcus Alvarez, you know, you know, would be a good, another spinoff, you know, let me tell you what happens over okay. here. I'd narrate the whole damn thing. <laughs> it would be my voice, yeah. but it'd be a young guy like me and how he came up the ranks. That's an interesting story, brother. You know, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And where it ends up, you know. But we'll see. You know, uh, it, it was a good run. Seven years on Suns, five years on Mines. Who could? That don't happen, brother. It doesn't right. happen. Me, it's me still being alive. I don't know if I die now. I don't know if I'm going to die. And if I do, I'll, I will cry. <laughs> <laughs> but if I don't, I'm still going to cry because it was a beautiful run. You dig? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, speaking to that, you, the young Marcus, uh, before I let you go, I'm curious if you've ever put, or maybe you and Elgin or you and Kurt had put down what you think the history of Marcus Alvarez is pre-Sons of Anarchy. He had it rough, man. Yeah. He had no... Yeah. Maybe if he would have got hugged more, he wouldn't be Marcus Alvarez, who you know. He did. Right. But he did, He, you know, it, it works out the way it works out. It, it is what it is, you know. Yeah, yeah. And you just move on. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's pretty incredible, right? Like, the, the fact, like you said, it's it's something that I don't know if, if Emilio Rivera thought when he was cast as Marcus Alvarez way back when, what was that, 2000? 
2008. Wow, 2008, that you would be here in 2023 telling this story. So How crazy, Sandra. It's crazy. But uh, I got to wrap up, but thank you so much, man. That, it's incredible to meet you. It's incredible to, to see Marcus grow and, and change over time. So thank you so much.